You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in corporate strategy, innovation, entrepreneurialism, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. For this episode, my 28th episode, we're going to speak with a good friend of mine, Steve Bashara, founder of Vista Growth Partners. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thanks very much, Justin. Pleased to be here. Uh, it's great to have you on the show. Um, obviously, you've been here before. You were a terrific guest. Uh, we kind of ran out of time um, because you just uh, dropped so much knowledge on us uh, that I wanted to have you back uh, and certainly dive into some of these topics around marketing uh, and branding best practices for companies of all sizes. But then, over lunch, we had such a great political conversation that I'm going to scrap all that. And we're going to talk about politics in the presidential election. <laughs> <laughs> this should be very interesting <laughs> for all. I'm just kidding. Uh, but um, I've known Steve for many years. We've run a lot of Funts Line together uh, through the years, obviously. And um, we even took a company public together, Greenway, on the New York Stock Exchange. Had a terrific experience. Uh, and it was a tremendous learning experience through all of the years, uh, and then certainly meeting you and your team was one of the momentous occasions for me because not only did I learn, I grew up a lot, uh, but then also achieved a lot, and I think that's really why I want to do another show with you to even dive deeper into a lot of the topics because the words, the strategies, the planning, the execution – uh, I think that you and your team helped me so much with and helped my team. And we were running so fast. I think the analogy I like to use is we had to change the tires in the bus while driving the bus down the freeway at 80 miles an hour. And we did it. Yeah. And so that's kind of, you know, why I think having you back, diving deeper, sharing some of those best practices. Uh, and again, it's not about, you know, having to spend a ton of money. I think there's so many different things that you can do. Uh, at, for every level company, and I believe marketing and branding need to be a forefront of every company from day one, day 366, you know, the third year, the fourth year, 10 years, mm -hmm. 20 years, and we know what the 100-year-plus companies mm -hmm. are still branding themselves and leading. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it never goes away. Uh, and so I think that's what the, the importance for me and, and why um, I want to do this second show. And this second show is going to run longer. We're going to do uh, an hour show instead of our normal half an hour show. So personally, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us here on air. Um, and before we jump too far into the broadcast and do our deep dive, um, I know about your background uh, for sure. Uh, but please tell my audience a little bit more about you, your background, and your team. Well, pleased to be here, Justin. Thanks again. It's always an honor to uh, uh, to talk about these subjects. And uh, uh, I'm a bit nostalgic about uh, some of the successes that we achieved together and uh, through a lot of hard work and uh, through a lot of smart work, I think mm -hmm. we achieved a lot. So it's fun to kind of rewind the tapes and, and talk about those mm -hmm. things. So, uh, <clears throat> and hopefully today I'll, I'll 
have a couple of uh, uh, valuable things for your audience as well and some stories. So my background, uh, locally educated here in Atlanta um, and uh, went to the University of Georgia in Athens and uh, studied in uh, Italy for a time and uh, even later did some executive education at a business school up in uh, in Boston, which was a quite valuable mm-hmm. uh, experience. And then about 30 years worth of uh, school of hard knocks and uh, just learning in the marketplace. Uh, lived in the D.C. area for about 13 years and uh, worked uh, in that uh, uh, local and regional marketplace um, and uh, moved back to Atlanta in about uh, 96 and uh, have been doing uh, Vista uh, really for the for the lion's share of that, 18 years. So we're celebrating our 18th anniversary uh, this year. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And um, it's actually through the the uh, deep collaboration uh, with guys like you and companies like Greenway that uh, really have fueled our, our growth and our sustainability. And through each of these chapters and uh, relationships, we uh, we learn a lot. We just see all of these experiences as learning events, and uh, hopefully, our um, our methods and advice get sharper and sharper. So, that's a little bit of uh, background on me. Yeah, and I guess I didn't. I keep forgetting or didn't realize that your depth uh, in DC, and that's probably why. We got along so well so quickly is because of all the work that I was doing on Capitol Hill and you had been there for so long. You understand a lot of the nuances and most people don't. I mean, it's just if you're not in the Beltway and and, and part of that uh, ecosystem on a daily basis. uh, But you guys helped me. I take a lot of what I was doing because a lot of stuff I was doing was kind of private or just just working on behalf of trying to move our industry forward. But we didn't take that strategy so you know far out. But then we ended up doing much more thought leadership, and you guys put strategy behind my thought leadership and helped me cre- really create a great platform. I know we'll talk about that today, but that's kind of I guess why maybe we ebbed and flowed so well together is because you kind of understood how I operated and, and the power of where thought leadership and even the, the white knight strategy that your uh, your team put together for us. Um, but then even on, on a, another whole flip side is uh, Todd Gurley is a good friend of mine, and, and Todd had a great weekend um, uh, a couple weekends ago uh, on the field. I think it was his first big weekend. So I'm very happy uh, with your UGA background <laughs> yes. as well. Yeah, Todd's yeah, a great yeah, guy. Game. Yep. Yes. Um, so now pulling it back into to Atlanta and our community here and certainly Vista, um, what do you guys like about our ecosystem? Obviously, we're talking, we talk about healthcare, we talk about health IT, we've been talking a little bit about fintech. It's a growing segment here. Uh, but what do you like about our, our ecosystem for business and even for healthcare and health IT? Well, that's, um, I think, a must-ask uh, question for anybody who is in this local or regional marketplace because um, there are a lot of places to set up and do business. And uh, I think Atlanta has... Uh, some very attractive and unique uh, attributes. Um, number one, there is strong Fortune 50 representation here in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. you've got some big cornerstones. Um, and when you've got iconic brands like Coca-Cola and UPS and Home Depot and Delta and you know the list goes on, uh, they provide a lot of um, interesting heft to the local market. And they located here in Atlanta because they did a lot of research and it was attractive labor rates. Um, you know, anybody who, uh, 
studies uh, climate. You know, there's, mm-hmm. uh, it tends to be a little bit more favorable uh, February and March here in Atlanta yeah, than it is true. in the Northeast, oh, for yeah. example. Uh, so there, you know, there's a, a litany of factors. So from large corporate to even uh, if you go to the other end of the spectrum, very small emerging companies, even the the startup and entrepreneurial marketplace here in Atlanta is, um, I think, flexing its muscles. There's a lot of good and growing infrastructure here. So uh, from the large cap companies to the small entrepreneurs trying to uh, build a dream uh, and all shades in between, Atlanta is, uh, is very good. I think Atlanta, when it comes to healthcare, is uh, uniquely situated. And I think largely because of uh, groups like CDC mm-hmm. uh, and not just CDC, but the investment and support of CDC over decades now, uh, you know, used to work with uh, the Woodruff Foundation. And, you know, they uh, pretty much provide a lot of philanthropic dollars for uh, the local marketplace. And, uh, you know, CDC was one of their uh, favorite organizations. And so there's been a lot of corporate support tied in together with policy support, tied in together with healthcare, tied in together with great organizations like CDC. And that creates a strong ecosystem. And also, the uh, I think the academic element for Atlanta is strong when you've got uh, Emory and even, even Emory and tech collaborations. Yeah, very true. Um, that's, uh, that's a very uh, key component for any world-class city. And then uh, private. When, you know, I mentioned uh, corporate and private, but... If you look at uh, the market cap on some of these uh, healthcare and HIT companies, getting stronger. And if you look at a map of the metropolitan uh, area of Atlanta, uh, you'll see it populated with numerous logos of really interesting, valuable companies that are uh, doing great things. So very strong uh, marketplace and uh, ecosystem, especially for healthcare. Yeah, actually, I couldn't agree more. When you look at, you mentioned CDC. And, uh, and then even the companies, the young companies uh, that, and the entrepreneurs that were there were all starting these, these companies. And then we actually almost instantaneously have customers when you look at um, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Piedmont, Wellstar. They've all been good organizations to help foster innovation, um, buy our young innovation. Uh, and then obviously partners like McKesson. Uh, and a lot of us, you know, I started off with McKesson. Thousands of us actually started off at McKesson or at the time HBO and company. Uh, and then we started Really Health, sold that back to McKesson, uh, Met Assets. So you have a lot of companies who will take either partnerships with the younger companies to help them grow or be a customer of the smaller companies to help them grow into larger or mid-sized companies. Uh, and then you've got institutions like you mentioned, Georgia Tech, Emory, even Kennesaw State now is a great business school. And, and they're feeding a lot of um, interns and students and, and young employees to us, uh, which is fantastic. And, and Georgia State and, and obviously you mentioned UGA. Uh, and then also – uh, Metro Atlanta Chamber, what David Hartnett has been able to do there and reach out in the community and help really lead the charge of Atlanta's the Health IT Capital of America. And then TAG, which Tino Mattella has done a fantastic job, and they've all partnered around that. Um, so I agree. It's a, it's a great ecosystem, and you bring up a lot of the pillars that helped um, create uh, us as a community, but then also allow us to, to make some great strides. But, you know, we have to keep this up. It's, there's a lot of competition. Boston has tried to make some claims. Um, Nashville has tried to make some claims. Austin, Texas, uh, obviously San Francisco uh, in the Silicon Valley. So we've got to uh, stay sharp, stay on top of our game um, to keep this going. 
Yeah, and I, I think the next 10 years is going to tell the tale. We have the infrastructure here between yeah. academic, public, private, all of those things. And those other cities are um, uh, strong and, and formidable and uh, attractive marketplaces. Um, but Atlanta, I think, again, is is uniquely positioned. CDC is not located there. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and uh, Hartsfield Airport yeah. is not located. I mean, there are there are a number of attributes that uh, uh, help those leaders that you just specified mm-hmm. um, do business and and yeah. able to add value. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a very interesting series of um, events and attributes that makes Atlanta really attractive. And I think the future is bright. We need to leverage it and yeah. attack it. I agree. So now as we turn to, you know, specifically on marketing, branding, and, and a lot of the best practices there, um, I met you uniquely uh, through a gentleman that we're both very close to, uh, Al Cochran. Al has now since passed, but um, he was an amazing man, a great leader, uh, great leader individually, but then also within the corporate environment. He's a CFO, and I just kind of, I always chuckle when I think about, uh, what to know Al is to chuckle, because he's a hilarious man and mm-hmm. a great man, but he introduced us, but he introduced us from the standpoint of, hey, he's like, hey, we're going to go on a, an IPO track, and I want to make sure that we build uh, and that we have the strongest brand possible. And we're doing well in marketing, but to take the company public and um, have all those spotlights, you have to have a really strong foundation. And for a CFO, because he had so much wisdom, Al had tremendous wisdom even mm-hmm, beyond his time, mm-hmm. he knew that. And so he went, introduced me to you. And most CFOs look to cut <laughs> spending mm-hmm, and marketing mm-hmm. and branding, not invest. Mm-hmm. And, and Al had all this wisdom, and he knew. Uh, so it was kind of cool to have a CFO introduce us. Uh, and then obviously, you know, you and I will work together, I'm sure, for a very long time. But um, but when we first met, you know, one of the fir- in, in the first couple of meetings with you and your team, you 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 mentioned this term um, hanging your ladder on the right wall. So he said, so let's start there of making sure that your ladder's on the right wall. And I immediately knew what you meant, and I immediately loved it, and I never ever forgot that term because you can charge everywhere you want to go, but if you're not charging up the right hill, you're not hanging the ladder your ladder on the right wall. You're going to waste a lot of time, resources, certainly not fill your opportunity, uh, and potentially die. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in battle or building a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be the wrong, uh, the wrong turn. So let's start with that. Um, why is hanging your ladder on the right wall so important for a company, but then also for a marketing team? Mm-hmm. Well, that, uh, I think, is a highly illustrative turn of the phrase and uh, what it means to me and why I use it often is that it's the essence of strategy. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all been a part of teams, um, large, medium, or small, where um, there is a great intention uh, and there is a lot of effort. uh, But if the strategy is not right, and the focus isn't right, and the compass heading isn't right, and you don't have your ladders on the right wall. I've seen so many companies tear down teams, burn out people, and also uh, not just kind of um, waste human resources, but waste financial resources. And and the tough part about uh, not having your ladder on the right wall is you'll send people up and down the ladder, and they get to the top rooftop, and they look around, and they said, we're in the wrong darn place. Mm That is uh, also demoralizing. So there's a number of um, 
negative ramifications if you don't have your strategy right. And strategy is an interesting topic because uh, I, it's it's much overused in business. And I think people sometimes uh, uh, get tangled up with strategy. And to me, quite simply, strategy is about um, devising a plan of action that eliminates all the things that don't add value. Mm-hmm. So it's almost a subtractive effort where you eliminate the things that don't add value so you can focus and your team can focus and you put resources towards things that actually you know add value. And that, in essence, is getting your ladder on the right wall. And then with great confidence, yeah, you can send people up and down the ladder and they're, they're highly effective. And, you know, it's... It's great that uh, you mentioned Al, and uh, I'm sure you honor him with your your comments. He was a great Southern gentleman and filled with wisdom, yeah. terrific guy all the way around. And it was interesting. He and I had a long, uh, probably 15, maybe 20-year relationship yeah. and been a part of uh, a number of uh, public companies. And we had been in the trenches a number of times, and probably one of the greatest compliments he ever paid me was he said, you know, Prior to working with you and your teams, I really thought that uh, that marketing and branding and things like that were just large expenses. Yeah. And he said, I realize now that they weren't really an expense. They were an investment yeah. that paid big dividends over time. He said, but I, I like how um, you go through a calculated approach yep. of uh, starting with strategy first before you build tactical expressions. Because the tactical expressions can be largely expensive, time-consuming, and if they're misplaced, that is at the essence of having your ladder on the wrong wall. So, Al, it was nice to hear a verification that uh, these types of things can be uh, excellent and in investments and in creating value for an organization. Yeah, and I think that you know, hopefully my audience, uh, and you and I talk about this a lot, can see that uh, it doesn't matter what size your organization is, you've got to have the right strategy. And you can make the argument that even in the first year of your existence or two years, strategy is more important than even later on. But I mean, you can probably argue both sides of that. But because if you go to, you have a false start in your first year or two, that could be it. You got to have the most brilliant idea. But as you know, a lot of my friends hear me say all the time, easy execution is everything. Mm-hmm. You've got to execute certain the first couple of years to get traction because you have you have zero time to waste. You have very limited funds. So I don't care how much money you have, you still have very limited funds to start your business, start your company. So you know, having the right strategy out of the gate, and I because I, I do spend a lot of time with startups. I mean, ever since my Greenway days, I mean, even before Greenway, I was part of a lot of startups, but. Now, probably 20 to 25, I've, I've individually dug my hands into and, and tried to help over the past year and a half, two years. And most don't spend much money on strategy and marketing and branding. And it's always a, a, it's a good conversation because when we finish the conversation, their eyes open. And the teams that d- their eyes don't open, I don't spend much more time with because they're probably not going to have – because I don't care great how your innovation is or your ingenuity – Nobody's going to know about it. And mm-hmm. that doesn't matter. You can have the, great, the best widget in the world, yep. but it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. No awareness, no growth. Exactly. Yep. So uh, I, I think that's, so that's, that's kind of a good foundation for us to build on now for the show because making sure that you do the, you know, the right research 
and you take your time to implement the right strategy before you place all those tactics. Because those tactics can, can be actually inexpensive or very expensive, but they also can be very wasteful if you don't have the right ones built off the right strategy. Mm-hmm. So uh, let, let's also – because one area that I also learned a lot from you is you guys kind of package the thought leadership. And the reason I like to talk about thought leadership kind of on the front end of our conversation is because it, it can be very inexpensive – and it's a great strategy for some people to start and organizations to start because it allows you to not only develop your own ideas, but to share your ideas, help lead others. Obviously, you're going to lead your own organization, but you're also going to lead others. And one thing we were able to do with Greenway uh, and then also even personally is build a brand halo. And that's a term that I learned from you and the whole thought leadership strategy and platform you guys really developed. I was kind of doing some of it, but very piecemeal. There was no strategy to it. It was just more of – I thought that was the right thing to do. We had to help lead the industry, had to make sure we were out there. We had to lead on Capitol Hill, lead it with obviously other companies in the industry and in, 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 um, uh, clinicians and, and patients. But um, talk a little bit about the whole your thoughts around thought leadership mm-hmm. and how, where people can kind of start. Uh, and then, then I want to dive a little bit more into, into taking that into some branding work. Mm-hmm. So talk about thought leadership. Yeah, that's, it's a very uh, interesting topic. And my advice about thought leadership has evolved actually uh, pretty significantly in the past several years. So early on when we met several years back, I think you were just relying on some really strong instincts and also your ability to communicate and uh, uh, the your networks here in the local area and in the Washington area at the policy level uh, were were quite strong. And I think um, enabled you to have forums to actually be able to put forth thoughts and ideas about the industry. So you were doing thought leadership before it actually uh, kind of formalized into what people call as thought mm-hmm. leadership. That's a, It's a very uh, convenient verbal handle for that. Uh, and several years ago, when we started to formalize Greenway's thought leadership uh, with you and a couple of the other yep. senior leaders, it was uh, it was key and critical to have a central theme, take a stand. I mean, there's a number of components that really uh, make a thought leadership platform strong. Uh, however, as time has progressed mm-hmm. and it seems that everyone has jumped on the yeah. thought leadership bandwagon. Yeah. I I think that there is a an incredible amount of uh, misinformation and noise out there. So, for example, on one Monday you may hear a report about tomatoes are good for you, right? And on Tuesday there may be a report that uh, tomatoes are bad for you, yeah. and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the rest of the week there is uh, a lot of uh, largely inexperienced people weighing in on the discussion and the debate and, yeah. and giving very hard, firm opinions on something that uh, that is not uh, evidence-based or that they aren't really an authority to, to speak on. So yes. everyone kind of wants to <laughs> jump into the fray on, uh, on being a leader and have a leadership uh, or a thought leadership platform. So I've seen... Uh, I've seen it mushroom over the past several years, and I think it's added to a lot of noise. So my advice in in the modern market mm-hmm. is to uh, comment on and share and amplify information, stories, and thoughts that are uh, that you know to be well vetted, well sourced, uh, 
and not just get into the uh, intoxicating behavior of sharing. Just it's so easy to share and forward and click that uh, people often will spread uh, misinformation. So um, it sounds a little cliche, but simply be a little bit more thoughtful about your thought leadership approach. Also have a theme, uh, a central theme for your brand and your organization to, uh, to essentially share content that is tethered to your central theme. That's excellent. Because with your brand and your organization, if you comment on everything, uh, you really become known for nothing. However, if you have a small, a small universe of things that you really truly want to be expert on, then you'll start to get credit in the mind of the market for, uh, for knowing more about that piece of content or that thematic platform. Uh, so I recommend that people get very discerning yep. about curation of what they share. And if you're a small organization and you don't have budgets to generate custom uh, homegrown thought leadership, mm -hmm. and the great thing about Greenway and the work you guys did is you invested in surveys, yeah. nationwide surveys, and physicians, and uh, HIT professionals, and you gathered through surveys, you gathered their uh, perceptions and, and uh, turned it into uh, very uh, highly publishable uh, information um, and knowledge. Uh, so that custom work, you know, there's an expense to that time yeah. and budget wise. Yeah. But if you're a smaller organization and you can't do custom or you can do custom, I would recommend doing one thing really well. Even if it's an annual report right. and you become known for it, you release it, you actually make some splash about it, uh, especially if it's high integrity. And secondly, if you're, again, medium to small size companies and you don't have a lot of resources to put towards it, find the best sources that you believe in, that you know that are truly evidence-based, and be an expert aggregator and share an amplifier of Good content, not just any content, right. but really well curated content. No, actually, that's fantastic. If you bring, you make me think of a a um, story I read about two weeks ago. Someone published where we spend, where basically our federal deficit is going, and where we spend our national um, our budget today. Is this uh, a segue into politics now? Yes. <laughs> um, the, the information was so wrong, and the person that actually shared it is a very articulate, very smart person that, that I respect, does great work on this planet, actually. However, it was not thoughtful. It probably – they didn't obviously research it. It was totally inaccurate, and it actually hurt, and it, it gave me more of a negative perception of this person, and it hurt my brand equity that I thought this person had. And so I couldn't agree with you more of focusing. And, and I didn't even think about it as deep as you just mentioned it, but it's a very good point of kind of pick your target, pick your theme. I love your theme. Use evidence-based research, hide information, and just stay focused uh, for the ultimate success. Mm -hmm. But um, we are going to take a quick pause here just for a station break, uh, but we'll be right back after these messages, and you don't want to miss our second half of this show because we're going to cover some uh, some great ground. So thank you very much. We'll be right back. Welcome back, and for everyone just joining us, my guest today is Steve Bashara, founder of Vista Growth Partners. So 
in the first half of the show, we dug deep into um, really kind of where to start on the marketing, some of the branding, um, thought leadership, uh, and just really, you know, the importance of hanging your ladder on the right wall. Um, so now, and, and building a little bit off of some of those themes, um, why is having a corporate or even a personal brand so important? And, and I say corporate and personal because I think, you know, our at Greenway, where we work together very heavily, um, we are focused on building Greenway's corporate brand. But at the same time, we created platforms to build personal brands because all companies are about individuals. Uh, and, and even you and I talked about this over lunch today. Uh, so let's let's dive in a little, little bit about that. So why is having a corporate brand um, and even a personal brand so important for companies and companies of all sizes? This is not just for a billion dollar companies and, and higher. This is for day one, day year two, year three, and, and above. So mm-hmm. for yeah, and. Uh so the construct that we look at uh, brands, and you mentioned two of them, and really there are three that, that we focus on. Corporate brand, which is essentially uh, marketing your organization. It's the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, personal brands, as you mentioned, which is really marketing a leader or an individual. And then product branding, which is uh, marketing some offering. It could be a service. It could be something that... Essentially, people pay legal tender for. Uh, many years ago, did a lot of work with the Coca-Cola company, and most of our efforts were focused on corporate branding. And that was communicating largely to the investment community because they were the ones that would buy stock yep. in, in large blocks. And uh, so the corporate brand needed to communicate to the investment community the value and to create confidence behind the brand of why buy our stock versus another stock. So corporate branding, and of course that came into play with Greenway yep. at New York Stock Exchange, being able to uh, uh, ring the bell. You, T, and gang were, were there uh, uh, ringing the bell, and your stock was publicly traded for that moment forward. And people would buy stock based on their confidence and belief in the company. The corporate branding efforts largely grew that confidence. Then personal branding, uh, very interesting and um, I think largely underutilized by a lot of companies, is if you've got a thought leader like yourself uh, and even other people in your past organizations Mm -hmm. and and groups you work with now, uh, how they communicate what they share, who they hang out with, yeah. who they associate themselves with, is a reflection on their personal brand, whether they like it or not. And That's a good point. Uh, and the thing is, it, people at the end of the day, because you ask the key question is, why are those things important? Well, because honestly, as human beings, we're conditioned to buy brands. If it's confusing to us or unknown, or we don't have an idea of what the what the expectation is if we patronize this brand, we're not usually going to patronize it. So brands are a representation of an expectation. In fact, a brand in many ways I'll describe as it's the sum of perceptions that people have about a given product or company or individual. Uh, Before the break, you mentioned an example of one of your colleagues, someone you knew, and it surprised you that he shared misinformation Mm -hmm. and your feeling about his personal brand changed according to that. So everything counts. 
everything that you do and say, I mean, especially in this era of digital where, I mean, a lot's been written about the, uh, the digital tattoo, that whatever you put out in the Internet, yeah. is, it never forgets and actually is tethered to, to you at some point. So uh, it's important to, uh, to manage yourself. It's important to manage your corporate brand. And then most people spend a lot of time, and rightfully so, on product branding yeah. and services because at the end of the day, that's where growth comes from. When people pay legal tender for something, they have expectations on what that can deliver because they're buying the promise of the brand. And then it's the brand's job to actually deliver on that promise. And the brand usually grows and grows very successfully and sustainably if they continue to over deliver on their brand promise. However, if they over promise, and under deliver, usually their days are numbered, <laughs> honestly, yeah. and, or, you know, it's something that they need to fix. Uh, so, uh, the brands that succeed at a corporate level, product level, personal level are yeah. ones that, that under promise and over deliver. Excellent. That's why I always love talking to you, Steve. I always learn. Uh, and I do remember, uh, focusing a lot. I was actually just going through some of our notes, from we did a lot of the product branding um, from uh, from our previous days, and uh, it, it was amazing. It was educational at that point, but also that allows people to to really hone in and almost rally around. And I remember getting our innovation team and services team, and everybody kind of cranked up. And then you think of new services and opportunities and revenue based on those strategies. And by really rallying those people around the table uh, and around a lot of the product branding, because people create products, but they don't really brand products. And when you brand them, mm-hmm. you have a whole new level and opportunity um, uh, that comes before you. So, and, and we've made sure, you know, I wanted this show balanced on companies of all sizes, because again, most of the companies out there are small or mid-sized, not, you know, they're not all the UPS and the Coca-Cola's. But again, something that uh, we mentioned in the first half hour, uh, it's very important for everybody to focus on branding, strategy, and obviously marketing overall from day one. So, where can um, companies of all sizes uh, begin, certainly when it comes around to creating brand equity? Like, are there are certainly, you know, it's important to establish, build, and protect a brand and, bi- and really build this brand equity. What are five strategies where any company really can start? Hmm. Yeah, very, very good question. Uh, so five strategies. Um, I think my first uh, recommendation would be, and, and I see this, unfortunately, uh, not happen that much in the marketplace. I see people waste a lot of time and mm-hmm. effort because they don't manage their story and their system. And if I were to break down kind of branding and marketing mm-hmm. into its just most fundamental components, it's about story and it's about system. And what I see a lot in the marketplace are companies spend a lot of time and effort on the system. And they haven't really crafted their story effectively to where it's compelling, to where it's simple, to where it's highly consumable and highly shareable. And unfortunately, they kind of shortcut the story development yet they'll spend a lot of time, an inordinate amount of time, on their system populating yeah. <laughs> a half-baked story very true. through their channels and devices and all the myriad of options today and, and what could be part of a marketing mix. So 
my, I guess, first strategy and best advice would be to take the appropriate time as step one, and that is to really craft uh, a compelling, ownable story, something that you can true, you and your organization can truly own. And I guess that leads to a second strategy to really do that, uh, to, to craft a compelling story. You have to know thyself. And knowing thyself really is focusing on, in on what you and your organization do brilliantly. Not what you do average. Yeah. Not, not all the things you do. Try to focus and challenge yourself. It's hard work, actually, to find out. We, we have a, an exercise called uh, the one thing. What is your one thing that you are most brilliant at? And usually you'll come up with five things, but usually the, the, the top most value-generating value activity that you do for the marketplace uh, usually rises to the top of the list. And when you know that, start to build your story around that. So I guess strategy number two would be uh, know thyself. Mm-hmm. Uh, strategy number three, and this is where it's important because um, you've got to – understand external markets. So strategy number three, I would say, uh, know thy audience. And any communicator, they would probably put that at the top of your list. You want to make sure you understand your audience that you're speaking to. Yeah. Um, if you're, and you've given a lot of speeches and presentations, if you don't know who your audience is and what language they speak, yeah. they, they may only understand Greek, but if you're up there talking Chinese, it is going to be a very unsuccessful event. So uh, it's, I always enjoy presentations where a speaker starts off in the first couple of minutes by asking some questions to the audience, and yeah. he's calibrating his audience That's to right. make sure he's talking to the right – To them. To yeah. them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, and it's a conversation. Then if you've got a great, compelling, crafted story – you can have a great time yep. and, and inspire an audience to do whatever you want them to do. Uh, so know thy audience and know what they value. I think one of the key things we did at uh, Greenway when we were doing the product branding is we asked one simple question. What are the top three things you value the most out of this product? And when we knew that mm-hmm. – we focused on those three things. We didn't focus on number 18. Right. We focused on those top three things. And if you put concerted effort towards the most valuable things that your audience, your buying audience says that they value the most, you're going to be on the right side of things. Uh, so I guess that would be number three. Number four is, and this kind of goes back to uh, story and system, and it's focusing on uh, the system. So... You know, in, I think, branding marketing terms, uh, people talk about the marketing mix. And so the marketing mix is uh, essentially uh, your investments in channels and devices and everything from social media to earned media to uh, uh, website, digital communications, uh, events, trade show. I mean, there's a galaxy of options to invest in. And... Uh, my advice is be very no nonsense about the evaluation and curation of what you what channels you invest in to create your marketing mix. And today, more so than ever in the past, through analytics and data science, science mm-hmm. you're able to actually have a dashboard, much like you're driving the car, 
and you can tell what works yeah. and what doesn't work. If something's working, turn up the volume. Uh, <laughs> and if something's not working, um, you may want to edit it out and, and focus your uh, gunpowder on something that's highly effective. I remember in our case, Justin, I mean, we, we started to see significant growth in the webinars yeah. and yeah. the reach. And we also looked at the cost of acquisition and the expense of webinars, which was quite low. Oh, yeah. And we thought, let's do more webinars. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. And, and to it me, worked. that's, that's an time. example of marketing mix adjustment. Yeah. And so I think that would be a fourth strategy. And the fifth strategy is with your organization, it's key to, to get everybody involved because everything counts and everyone is a representation of the organization. I mean, I went to my uh, primary care recently, got my annual physical, and then also subsequently went to a, a specialist. And each interaction, actually the specialist, I counted, there were seven different people that I interacted with. And at this organization, very good, very strong. They were all very communicative, all very positive, all very trustworthy. And the experience was an excellent one. Mm -hmm. And they were all represent, representatives of the brand and the organization. And so everyone counts and everything counts to make an experience for, in this case, uh, you know, uh, customer satisfaction, yeah. patient satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, so the fifth one would be everything counts and everyone counts. That's fantastic. Now, that's great advice. And I, I, now I remember kind of walking through a lot of that with you. Um, but even, you know, you bring up knowing your audience. I think that's why I love public speaking because I really truly do try to learn my audience and then I have a good time with it and I try to understand it. So I am one of those people that ask questions early on so I can focus in. And when you can focus in, you can have a really good in-depth conversation with, with the audience and you know they like you and you're not just talking past them. And it's a good example also on Capitol Hill I think I was very fortunate and had a lot of success because I spoke to the staffers the way that they wanted to be spoken to and the way understood the way they understood. Most people don't do that. They they go up there, they they want to show how smart they are. They talk right past the staff or the staffers, um, and certainly the congressional member, uh, and they don't have the success. And I remember um, a uh, large institution reached out to me about a month ago and said, hey, we actually would like to write a book um, based on your experiences on Capitol Hill and your success that you've had over the last 10 years. Uh, and I said, I'm in. And so we're, we're actually negotiating it and discussing it now. But then people ask me, well, how are you so, so successful? And I was like, I really don't know. I just went up there and I was just me. I was just having fun. I was talking to people. I was very passionate about healthcare. But I just spoke to people as they wanted to be spoken to, and I explained things very simply. I wasn't trying to show off what I knew about healthcare or what I knew about business or, or what I knew about even how healthcare costs were, were you know, creating this immense amount of national debt. I just went up there and talked some policy in a very simple way, and it worked out well. So you bring up a great – and that's why I love public speaking so much. Well, you're uh, a natural and intuitive uh, communicator, and you some people have the capability of being able to just naturally understand – their audience and how best to, to communicate to them. So when you were on the Hill and I remember, you know, seeing you in front of the microphone in front mm -hmm. of congressional hearing, I mean, that's, yeah. um, there is some responsibility to that and words matter that's and to be able to be simple yeah. and to speak in, uh, in common language, yes. not filled with jargon. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that's, 
you're going to be so much more effective as a communicator. And so, uh, yeah, you could write a playbook on, on uh, communicating that way. So now talking about healthcare um, specifically in the sector specifically, what is the value of a brand in healthcare? And, and, we, and really marketing and branding transcends industries and sectors, but because we are the healthy capital of America and, and we spend a lot of time in healthcare, it's where a lot of our passions lie. Uh, you know, what is the value of building that specific brand and why is it so important? Hmm. Well, I think uh, most people would agree that in the past 10 years, there's been significant growth in what may be called consumerism. Yes. And we as Americans are, we've turned into spoiled consumers, actually. Uh, Our devices are almost instant. The interfaces are beautiful. Uh, Largely, they don't break. I mean, they're they're highly effective. They're fast. I mean, we've become spoiled. Uh, With healthcare organizations, there are kind of winners and losers, to be honest with you. I think that a lot of winners have adapted really well to the rise of consumerism and have taken the effort to adapt to the kind of the new responsibilities of um, being communicative and being an effective communicator to to patients. Uh, and the organizations that choose not to adapt to have good, meaningful, effective conversations with patients, I think are suffering and are on, kind of on the wrong side of the equation. And I think we'll, time will, will prove that out. Uh, so I think healthcare is tricky because it's not like going to the Apple store and buying a product. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about someone's well-being and their health, and it's not a perfect science. And so there's... Uh, you know, while people are looking for answers and they're looking for health and they're looking for solutions, uh, doctors and hospitals and organizations, they can't overpromise things. Right. But they can educate. They can provide trust. They can be highly communicative. They can be highly human. And those who manage those attributes um, and uh, adapt to consumerism – I think are going to be the winners of uh, of tomorrow. And I see great examples out there. I, if you look at what Mayo does, if you look at what Cleveland Clinic does, as yeah. far as communicating really valuable information, and they're actually very responsible about it too because they know that it's a reflection of their brand. Uh, I think that uh, anyone in healthcare, large, medium, or small, can take cues off of the most respected, high-integrity organizations out there in healthcare and in some ways, again, if you're small or medium and you don't have a big budget to do original thought leadership, then why not be an aggregator of Mayo, Cleveland, others, yeah. when you agree with what they're saying and you know that it's evidence-based and it tethers to your thematic platform? Now, that's terrific. And you make me think of your point five, which was get everybody involved. Uh, in your when you're going through the branding um, strategies and, and what everybody can do, and and so when you talked about um, your experience at the the local um, office that you went to practice, uh, you made me think of the patient-centered medical home model, the PCMH model, because that is about getting everybody involved, getting all of your care coordinated, getting all the care providers coordinated, um, focusing on. Um, increasing quality, but also increasing value and satisfaction by the patient, which is all about consumerism, which is where you kind of opened up your point. 
And then you mentioned Mayo and Cleveland Clinic, which I completely that's there's those are really global respected brands uh, in healthcare. But even locally, uh, and I don't like to call out individual organizations because I work with all of them and they're all great in their respective rights. But Piedmont Healthcare and even Children's Healthcare, um, but Piedmont specifically with what Matt Gove has been able to do. He, I think he's the chief consumerism officer. He was. Um, he was a chief marketing officer for a while, but now it's all about consumerism. So now I think his title has changed uh, to chief consumerism officer. But Matt, what Matt and that institution has been able to do, it's where I actually uh, seek care uh, and, and um, uh, they're my providers. Uh, but they're fantastic and they are focused on satisfaction. They are focused more on the care coordination, but really um, my experience uh, and so that's someone even locally who I've known, uh, I've watched uh, even evolve in this new world. And mm-hmm. there's a, there are a lot of providers out there that aren't doing that, and those will be the bygones. I mean, mm-hmm. those they won't be able to turn this corner because we as a society, as you opened up uh, your answer, is about consumerism. Uh, and I've watched Piedmont manage it extremely well. Uh, and I think Children's uh, Healthcare of Atlanta and Wadada Highland has been able to do, she's the CEO there, is fantastic. So I think both those organizations have done fantastic work. I agree. And, and what they've done um, really solidly puts them in that winning set. Yeah. And they're, they're, the market's going to polarize, and it's polarizing day by day. It may be subtle, but both those organizations you mentioned are uh, adapting to yeah. the market. Very true. Therefore, they'll win. So what are some of the healthcare brands that you like out there? I mean, they can be local, but also, I mean, from the provider side or the, the IT, the corporate side, what are some of the healthcare brands out there that you like and that you've been, you've watched kind of transition and turn the corner of the last five, 10 years? Mm, gosh, it, it is so difficult to, um, to point out a number of those. I mean, I, I've mentioned, uh, Mayo and mm-hmm. Cleveland. Um, I, um, I like, any organization, hospital system, private or public corporation mm-hmm. that is really authentically attacking this entire shift from volume to value, which has Excellent. been the verbal handle for yeah. the industry for the past few several years. Some people, some organizations are giving it uh, lip service, and yeah. others are truly um, focusing on value. They're asking. They're they're asking the questions of the audiences that sustain them. Where is the value for you, right. and how can we deliver it better to you, and things like that. So, um, organizations that are authentically intent on delivering uh, true value in this new world uh, are are favorites of mine. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It, when I interact with the healthcare system on a personal level, and I've got uh, two. Uh, parents that are, you know, they're getting a little older and, and uh, they aren't as healthy as they once were. But so my, our interactions with the healthcare system uh, through someone else is uh, becoming more and more frequent. And as the silver tsunami mm-hmm. uh, crashes on the shores of healthcare with all the boomers aging, I, I love to see the organizations that are authentically and effectively uh, owning this value conversation and, and delivery and experience with the patient yeah. at, at the heart yeah. of it. Yeah. It's fantastic. So what does tomorrow look like for you, for Steve Bashar, but also for Vista? What, do, what does tomorrow look like? Well, we, we're looking for, I guess we're kind of like the Marines. We're looking for a few good men and women. And, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I was in the army myself, but I yeah, still fully respect right. the Marines. Well, well. Our, army is good too, um, <laughs> and uh, and I think they have the same thing. They're looking for, for uh, good men and women, just they are. more. They uh, are. Uh, but I, uh, to me, what that means specifically is uh, we're looking for courageous leaders who really want to do something special, and in this idea economy. Um, we like to, or we get most excited about people that focus on breakthrough, which is a uh, mm. highly overused term, mm -hmm. but I define breakthrough as something that was perceived as impossible right. and you make it possible. Uh, an example I'll use uh, that I think everyone may recognize is uh, uh, on break, defining breakthrough is, uh, uh, let's see, is an example, uh, Airbnb. Um, 10 years ago, a hotelier in San Francisco or New York would have thought that it would be impossible for a web-based marketplace to where private citizens marketed their properties and that that would take market share away from them. They would have thought that that was virtually impossible. And today we know that that yeah. is happening a lot and <laughs> Airbnb is valued over $50 billion uh, in healthcare. There is such opportunity to take something that is perceived as impossible and making it possible. In fact, sometimes those things are very close to each other. It's not as it's difficult as mm -hmm. it may seem to be. So we like to work with courageous leaders who actually want to truly innovate or adapt to the patient and the consumer uh, and do something that's authentic and over-deliver all the things we've talked about today. Yeah. And that's... Uh, we're, we're always uh, interested in having conversations uh, for people like that. Excellent. Thank you. So in my closing 42 seconds, um, I always ask this of my guests, what is your favorite place to get or be inspired? Hmm. Good, good question. <laughs> um, I uh, enjoy being outdoors. Uh, I really... Uh, clear my head mm -hmm. and uh, uh, recharge when I'm uh, out in nature. Uh, I like to read. Uh, I really like uh, gardens. And one of my uh, simplest and greatest pleasures is to eat and drink my way through Italy. Yep, that's right. Actually, I think you taught that to me because after you went to Baracci, what was the? Baracci, yes. Baracci yes. Vineyard. Um, we went Two times after that, two years in a row, we went to Italy, um, my, my, uh, my wife and I and, and a couple others. So I think you inspired me to do that. That's why I always love to ask that question. But, um, but Steve, thank you very much. Uh, it was great to have you as my guest today and my, one of my first, if not my first, return guest. So congratulations on that. Uh, and again, truly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us in studio. Uh, and for everyone listening, thank you for joining us today. And please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific, even though sometimes I have special broadcasts that will start at 2 o'clock Eastern and 11 o'clock uh, Pacific as our show grows. Our show has really grown over the past year, and so I feel very blessed uh, for that. And as always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so we can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content will be posted on my website at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week. <laughs>